Hey fans of Intentional Talk, this is Taylor. If you enjoy stories of inspiration, I want to invite you to check out my podcast called The Focus. There I talk with business leaders, entertainers, and visionaries about that one focal point that's led them to the next level. Check out The Focus with Taylor Cole Longacre anywhere you get your podcasts and watch the full TV show on Amazon Prime Video. Hello, I'm Lisa Kay. And I'm Taylor Cole Longacre. And this is Intentional Intentional Talk, Talk, a show that cares and brings positives to the air. Well, welcome everyone to our show. Today, we are talking with Vince Pacente. He has spent his life researching, writing, and speaking about life mastery. He's a New York Times bestselling author who wrote the international phenomenon, The Ant and the Elephant, Leadership for the Self. And his background is an Olympian, guys. (laughs) It's going to be really good to hear from him about that. And he really helps us to accelerate from past setbacks and really move towards sustained results. Welcome to Intentional Talk with Lisa Kay and Taylor, Vince Vicente. Taylor, thank you. Lisa Kay, good to see you again. Yes, welcome. (laughs) Glad you're here. This is going to be a good time. I I love Canada. Many of you know I do a lot of traveling. And I've been to Alberta, Uh Edmonton, Alberta. It was really? wow. negative 14, negative 114. Probably ne- negative 2,000 <laughs> if yes. it was winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us a bit about your background, because I've already said you're an Olympian, you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm now living in Texas, so okay. I, I did meet a Texas gal, and that's how I ended up here, but uh, didn't know that was that's an option. Good. I went, oh, jeez, so oh. now I live here. Three that's kids. good marketing for us. Yes. Oh, yes, Texas gals, Texas irresistible. Gals. So, no, I, I've been here for 25 years but prior to that uh, you know growing up in Canada in Edmonton I was just I was a clarinet player but I was fascinated by the Olympic Games and to see them on TV and then I got a sports marketing degree uh, University of Alberta wow. I was about recreation administration and fascinated by the Olympic movement to the degree that I was involved with the Olympics in Calgary. Remember the Eddie the Eagle and the Jamaican bobsled team? Yeah, yeah. that was such a cool time. Yeah. So, yeah, isn't it interesting that the two entities that placed dead last are the most famous in the, <laughs> in the Olympic Games, but to, to be involved in those Olympic Games and having had raced in luge, <clears throat> do you know what luge is? Luge is kind of like bobsled, but you lay on your back, okay. screaming the whole yeah, way Yeah, it's really yeah. fast and yeah. fun. Yeah. You're like, yeah. ah! So luge, probably be giggling. Well, you might be giggling, but you'll go very... No giggling in Luge, come to think of it. I just think skin your elbows. I think, hold tight, hold tight, don't that touch is, anything. There is a learning curve, and it is painful, but... Uh... Anyway, I luged for a couple of years, luged in Lake Placid just as on a lark, really. But this idea of the Olympic Games, that fascination never went away. And then with Luge, I thought, wait, I, I might have a shot at this. And uh, pulled the national team coach aside with my buddy, Bob Gasper, who had the same kind of dream. Wouldn't it be cool to be in the Olympic Games? And she basically straightened us out and said, boys, I already have guys on the national team. We have Olympic qualifying standards, which is top 16 in the world. If you're 17th place or lower, you don't go representing at least Canada. And I think the United States, for that matter, there are Olympic qualifying standards. Mm -hmm. So you have to be ranked high in the world. She's the highest ranking Canadian I have here is 33rd in the world. And if we had the Olympics tomorrow, we would send no one. 
We have the Olympics in five years from now, and you guys just started losing, what, two weeks ago, right? Really? So I got the message from the national team coach and went, all right, I guess that's not going to happen. I went home and quit the sport of luge. I mean, I just went on with my life. And Bob Gasper heard the exact same message. He went home, quit his job, bought a luge sled, and went to Europe to luge on his own dime, right? Uh... Do you, have, do you have neighbors? You just look them out the window thinking, cuckoo, you know? Oh, yeah. They look at me that way, too. <laughs> and so this, this, this watching Bob do that, I thought, you are off your rocker. I mean, but if you fast forward to the opening ceremonies of the Olympics in Calgary, I happened to get a ticket for those opening ceremonies, which were a tough ticket to get, yeah. you know? And the place went silent. By tradition, the host country marches in last. And when the Canadian national team marched in in Calgary Olympics, those five years after the trying luge for the first time, the only person in focus was Bob Gasper. I mean, he was marching with the Olympic team, and I was in the stands with a ticket. And so I guess we're, we, we, what brings us to this place here today are defining moments. Mm. And that was a moment of... of emotional intensity of defining moment a moment where you realize wait this isn't working <laughs> right this this is not working and 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 walking away from some opportunity like to continue on with luge i i'm not saying i know i would have made the luge, luge team i'm i am saying i don't know you know there's this saying i actually first heard it from a 14 year old girl she said uh um fear is temporary regrets last forever and uh, never again, ever again, will I have that level of regret or regret, period. I mean, just no more regrets. That's That was the motivation. So that started the whole Olympic thing at 26 years old. I never ski raced before. And then four years later, I was competing for Canada in the Olympics in Albreville, France. And um, it all came together and has since turned into a formula that crosses over into the personal and professional world and training and speaking and yeah coaching. yeah there's stuff i learned as a as an olympian but not just as an athlete but how to accelerate an outcome not just how to reach a goal there's a lot of us that know how to do that but how, how can we cut that length of time in half and that's what this wow. olympic story did yeah. you live by the timer you know they give you a deadline wow. they said the opening ceremonies are here qualifying date is here and um Knock yourself out. See if you can make the team, you know. And uh, there's a lot of athletes out there who you're competing against. So how are you going to step in and engage to the, to the level that will put you in, the, in this case, the top 16 in the world in under four years from a standing start? That's... Um, Wow. <laughs> Looking back, I think, who, who who do you think you are, right? Like, how would you actually pause? But it was motivated by not wanting the sting of regret ever again, yeah. right? That's mm -hmm. the motivation. So. Wow. I see from, from this endurance, faith. Oh, my gosh. Just incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. Faith had everything to do with it because mm -hmm. you... you, you you're, if you think you're alone on this journey, um, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, you know. Mm -hmm. So, 
Mm-hmm. Is that the way to say it? Road to hoe? Road to hoe. <laughs> toe. Toe to toe road, road to toe. Road to toe. Was what I thought. But... Let's just make up. Let's just make up. Anybody words. tell us in the comments if, for those of who are on Facebook Live with us or LinkedIn Live. Tell us in the comment: Is it the road to hoe? Ho? <laughs> road to or the toe. toe. The road to toe. Road to toe. Road. I really think it's toe, but I'm, I've been wrong too many talking. times. <laughs> you know, Vince. Um, intentional talk is more of self-awareness mm-hmm. and uh, the power of intention. Mm-hmm. What would be your take on that? I would say that there is a, a, an intention is directly associated with, with the word alignment. And if you have intentional talk, if you have an intention of sorts, then is that aligned with why you're on this planet? Is this aligned with who you are as a person? Mm-hmm. And so if you're misaligned, then the intention is out of whack, mm-hmm. right? And you may have uh, good intentions, but if they're not aligned with what makes you tick, those good intentions are going to be a, a struggle. Yeah. And so, Amen. I mean, if we can take the struggle out of life, uh, wouldn't it be easier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds obvious, but it's such a a simple task to be in intention, right? To be aligned with not only who you are. So, for example, this Olympic thing, what would make a rational person want to do this? I love challenge. I love adventure. I love variety. I love to be able to take something on and make fear smaller, not bigger. And it checked all those boxes. So when you can (laughs) check all those boxes and your intention is to honor that Mm -hmm. with how you're wired and who you are and the superpowers you can bring to this world, I mean... Then every day is a joy. You just bounce out of bed and say, "This I get to do this again." You oh know, yeah, so. yes, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the ant and the elephant, mm-hmm. and it starts with clarity of vision. Right. So let's back up. So the book was called "The Ant and the Elephant," based on a speech I'd heard. Uh, by a Dr. Lee Poulos. And he found that in a second of time, the conscious mind utilizes 2,000 neurons in one second, the conscious mind. So your conscious mind is processing what I have to say. If you're seeing this on video, you're thinking, man, that good look, guy looks like the old man from Up. I don't know, what, whatever you think, you know, white hair, big glasses. But whatever you're thinking consciously, 2,000 neurons every second. In the same second, the subconscious mind is processing with four billion neurons, four billion with a B. So the ratio of activity of the conscious and subconscious mind is the exact same ratio between an ant and an elephant. So that is why, you know, and I've been speaking for a bit and I was uh, giving presentations at events and I was really talking about actually the alignment, the intention stuff that, that is so critical to that first step, that clarity that you just brought up. You cannot have clarity without having an alignment of your ant and elephant. Your conscious intention aligned with a subconscious agenda that it syncs up with your intention. Because, for example, in the parable, the ant and the elephant, the ant wants to go west, right? Mm -hmm. The ant doesn't know this at the beginning of the book, that he's 
on the back of an elephant, right? <laughs> so the ant goes, I know that the oasis is west, so I'm going to start marching west, says the ant, and is on the back of the elephant marching west, and then ends up east and going, how is this possible? I was marching west. <laughs> and then this teacher, this mentor, an owl in the parable named Brio shows up and says, you're on the back of an elephant. Your conscious mind is on the back of an, a subconscious mind. <laughs> and in, until your elephant is headed in the same direction, yeah. this is going to be um, a struggle your whole life. We all go through that. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yin and yang, all these different things that we're competing against. And think about it. It, it applies not just to going west. It applies to relationships. You can say, hey, I want to be in this kind of relationship and end up in a different place. Mm-hmm. I intend to have this kind of financial well-being and end up in a different place of debt or whatever. I intend to have this kind of health but end up with you know, a trip to the doctor saying, you know, we're going to have to do a triple bypass. You know, you kind of go, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I had this intention and I ended up in a different place. A lot yeah. of that has to do with having your aunt and elephant headed in the same direction. And it is essential to start with clarity of vision, the clear vision. Now, you know, it's a clear vision when it has what I call the emotional buzz or in the book, the elephant buzz, mm-hmm. which means a thought creates a, creates a physical reaction. The thought in this case of marching in the opening ceremonies of the Olympic games had a physical reaction of that would be the coolest thing for whatever reason, I don't know why, I don't know why we have these, yeah. this resonance of you internally, but it is a litmus test for your ant and elephant headed in the same direction. If something has an emotional buzz, and an emotional buzz isn't just positive. It isn't just, oh, wouldn't that be awesome to create, have a, a cottage by the lake or to have a family reunion that I pay for everybody to fly in and I host this thing. Or, you know, to be able to have some special thing for your grandkids or whatever. Whatever that emotional buzz is for you, it's not just the Hollywood version of what do you want to create or what do you want to build or what do you want to have. It's also infused with anxiety. <laughs> it's very sensory. The minute you describe this, I'm thinking I can, if it's the the yeah. opening um, ceremonies for the Olympics, I can hear right. the sounds. I can right. feel if it's cold. I can feel right. that I'm in Calgary and the, right. the Christmas in the air and right. all of my senses. I can all smell five senses. Air. Well, that's how you bring it to life. That emotional buzz comes to life when you have the five senses. And if you want to add rocket fuel to that, add the emotion attached to that, like satisfaction and fulfillment and stuff like that. Yeah. But I will, I will add that when you start with clarity and what you want, what you aspire towards pay attention to the thing that causes anxiety because there's a part of our gut that has us go wait a minute this might not work or there's risk involved or wait a minute what if I look stupid or what if I don't have enough money or what if that anxiety you can use to your advantage Uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book called The War of Art and he, he basically, I'll save you 20 bucks. <laughs> he, <laughs> the, it, it, the, in the book, he talks about if it scares you, it's important to you. Okay. Now, now let right. that sink Most in for a second. Most people don't, don't gravitate to you that. You don't gravitate to that, which scares you because, uh, wait, that's uncomfortable. And com- mm-hmm. Discomfort is where the lesson is. Discomfort is where the, the, the opportunity to supersede that and go, wait, this is important to me. So imagine combining the emotional buzz 
of what you aspire towards, that thing that tingle up and down your spine, that visceral feeling, and the anxiety of something that is important to you. Now, here's a word, realistic. I hate the word realistic. <laughs> why, why does it have to be realistic? I even say your goals need to be realistic, attainable, time-specific, and all that. Wait, 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 let's just start with realistic. I don't know what realistic is, but I know that if it has an emotional buzz, whether it's realistic or not, it's worth paying attention to. So, okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's clarity. Oh, that's clarity, Lisa. Okay, what's another C? Commitment. Commitment. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Why do you think most of the general public have um, a struggle with commitment? Yeah, I. No, there's a few reasons, but number one is thinking that commitment is episodic, mm-hmm. meaning uh, every Saturday. Right, couples walk down the aisle, say "I do, I do," and well, I committed that Saturday so many <laughs> years ago. Oh, you know, Sparky, this is this is a process of commitment, yes, not yes. not a moment, not an episode that you just said I'm in. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden a you're time. you're a butterfly. It doesn't just change immediately. <laughs> no, and that that's another piece. Is commitment is um, there are. You can commit to something, and then once you get into it, then you start to realize that there's another level Mm -hmm. of a commitment, another level of engagement, another level of throwing yourself into this that's going to be necessary for you to truly succeed at this. And um, yeah, people can say I do, or they can say I'm in, or sign a contract, and then they can get into it and go, yeah, I don't know if I signed up for that <laughs> level of commitment. Right. right, or like signing up for the Olympics, and yeah. you actually make the team, right, and you're right. like, whoa, wait a minute, now I've got to get down that mountain, or right. now I've got to throw that thing, uh-huh. and, you know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not what, to be avoided. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I say you seek the discomfort. Uh, which is counterintuitive. Why would I want to seek discomfort? Oh my goodness. You're on the other, when you get on the other side of discomfort, you've learned more, you've grown, Mm -hmm. and you've stepped into a whole new level of expanding your comfort zone, right? And um, wow, life is meant to be embraced and, and, um, and and this might be a better way to put it. Um, Fear said this, a guy that climbed Mount Everest, John Amat said, the the, the closer you get to fear, the smaller it gets. The more you run away from fear, the larger it gets. So don't run away from what scares you, run towards it. Okay, yeah. run towards it. Now, I imagine there's a level of consistency in this, right? Is yeah. that we have got to repeat this over and over again for yeah. it to stick. Right. I think that's where we often start in this country is you say, what do we do? Let's get after it. Let's make it happen. Let's just do this. <clears throat> Until you pay attention to the clarity of vision, the five senses as you brought up, Taylor, uh, the whole visceral experiential notion of this thing you're going to commit to and understanding that your commitment is going to need to be notched up over time, then you're ready to c- consistently execute a strategy. Okay. And I'll give you a little s- tip, um, if you will, mm-hmm. that worked in this Olympic journey. Now, mm-hmm. when I stepped into the Olympics or wanting to make the national team and all that, knowing the Olympic qualifying standards were top 16 in the world, I realized that my competition wasn't local or national to make the local teams or the national teams or even the international competition. You realize quite quickly your competition is top 16 in the world. 
that changes everything. Because if you're stepping into a competitive landscape, or even one of a, an excellence mindset where you want to be perform at the highest level, whether it's sales or as a parent or as an entrepreneur or as a manager, to be able to identify the competition as the highest perf performers, it may be impossible to catch up to them, right? It may be impossible in a competitive landscape to do better than they've been doing for the last 20 years. But you can instantly do what they're not willing to do. Love that. And yeah. I've heard you say that before. Be willing to do what your competitors aren't, will, willing, to aren't willing to do. Yeah, do what the competition is not willing to do. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean big things. You know, I, you know, these guys have been racing for 20 years, right? And I thought, well, what are they not willing to do? And I looked at columns like, um, I wrote out columns of ideas. One of the columns was research. So how could I research in a way the competition isn't willing to research? So, uh, example, I came across a guy who had a PhD in the politics and sport, right? Well, why would you want to interview somebody? Because the competition's not willing to interview that guy, yeah. right? They're going to be training or they're going to be talking to their coach or whatever. So that half an hour interview with a gentleman who'd spent his entire life focused on a PhD in the politics and sport, mm -hmm. gave more information in that 30-minute call than you could ever do on your own. So it, it, there's a, a motto in the Olympics. It's Sidious Altius Fortius, which is swifter, higher, stronger. Add a, a fourth one, which is smartius, right? <laughs> How much smarter can you approach this consistency? Oh, that's yeah. really good. Okay. Wow. There's another C, right? This is, yeah, this okay. is strong. This is very good. I think there's two la uh, left. Is that confidence and control? Yeah, confidence. Confidence is an interesting one, too, because if you look at an athlete's performance or an artist or a musician, for example, they'll all tell you that 80%, if not more, of their excellence comes from just stepping in confidently, right? Well, confidence comes from experience. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you don't have experience with a pandemic, right? Oh, <laughs> what yeah. if you don't have experience with a uh, trying to get to the Olympic Games? What if you don't have an experience with a new program? I mean, you're in production uh, when you stepped in, you didn't know right? <laughs> much yeah. or if anything. And so how do you do well without confidence? And so it, it really is a process. I know we're kind of short on time, but to, to really prepare yourself, I'll give you a little tip here. Whenever you have a negative thought or some that negative th thought comes from the outside, from somebody else, mm -hmm. ask yourself, is this taking me closer to my emotional buzz or further away? Mm. If it's taking you further away, so that's really truly a negative thought, the ant has a conversation with the elephant and says, thank you, that's not part of my vision. My vision is, and then you go back to that. We need to go west. Yeah. Or <laughs> we need to go west. It looks like this, smells like this, all the five senses. This is critical part. Yeah. Not just what it is, but how it feels, the experience of it. So you've replaced the yeah. negativity with the experience of what resonates with the intention, how we started this conversation, of where you're meant to go and be and do and contribute. And, and it's all emotive. It's all, it's, it's it all. It starts with emotion. You're all, all yeah. in. You're all in. Whole body, fully yeah. all yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's concerning me, though? 
though, Vince, is that I think there's probably some chaos in all of this as well. Always chaos. Always chaos. Yeah, Good? Yeah. Bad? Well, okay, well, you're, you're talking about two different... <laughs> there's two kinds of chaos, right? The kind of chaos that's an obstacle and the kind of chaos that's paralyzing. An obstacle is simply, you know, going to happen. Of course, you're going to have an issue and you kind of, you know where west is. On, you, if you had a compass, you know where north is on the compass and you'll figure out and you'll navigate your way. Yeah. So that kind of chaos we can deal with. The paralyzing chaos is the one that uh, actually is my next book. It's called The Earthquake. The Earthquake. And the ant and the elephant go through a, a, a massive earthquake that their entire life is destroyed as they know it, and they have to go to a new oasis. The problem with chaos, that kind of chaos and disruption, that kind of setback is there's no linear way out of that kind of chaos. It is very much in the book called The Earthquake, uh, The Solution Loop, and that's being curious and creative along the way. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but if you are experiencing, you're listening in on this, and you're experiencing that level of chaos, know that there's no prescriptive model that will take you A, B, C out of this. And again, it starts with faith, it starts mm -hmm. with intention. Mm -hmm but also means that you're in this process of curiosity and creativity. Does this work? Does this work? Does this work? Um, well, and it's what we've experienced with the pandemic. Yes. The curious and creative people Courage. are surviving through this, the courageous people. Yeah. Yep. Meanwhile, those who sat back in fear and said, I'm just gonna watch the headlines, I'm gonna let this paralyze me. I think those are the businesses, those are the entrepreneurs, those are the organizations that have not moved forward. Yeah. I have a yeah. very good friend who owns a local establishment, he owns a restaurant and a venue for concerts, right? Mm -hmm. If anybody was could be devastated yes, by yeah. this pandemic, yeah. it's, and he's got bills, man. He's yeah. got 50, 60, $80,000 a month going out. Yeah. And uh, he got creative. He got very curious, he got very creative, and uh, they figured it out how to survive. And sometimes that's all you can do in chaos, is yeah. just survive. Um, it, it's too much for us high achievers in this room to think, oh no, no, let's thrive, let's get out there, we can take it on. But you know what, sometimes it's so debilitating that if we could just stabilize and survive and stay curious and creative in that process, eventually you'll pop out and be on the other side. For some people, it, it appears that they just went, sailed through the pandemic. How lucky for them, right? Yeah. Uh, and for others, it's been um, uh, devastating. Yeah, big struggle for a lot. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, my daughter owns a business in Atlanta, and she's 30, 36. And when it first hit and they were forced to shut down, I worried a little bit because she would get on live video her Facebook page and she would cry a little bit about the worries and just sharing the losses of her business. And I prayed about this. I didn't want to step in and say, please don't, you know, anyway, after about two of those, her third live video, she actually was sharing positives of how she got creative and her business was changing around. And she dived in and got more creative to where she's not losing anything. She's still making as much or a little bit more. Uh -huh. well, so yeah. I love that story you just shared. Just not, not give. It's easy to say don't give up. 
But when you don't know where up is, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it can be truly debilitating, and that's yeah. just the human condition. Uh, yeah. Just know you're not alone. That's mm-hmm. probably right. most important. You are a wealth of information, Vince. Yes. Yeah. How can our viewers and listeners get more information about you? If you know how to spell my last name, you can find me. <laughs> Good luck with that. But it's VincePosenti.com. Okay. And that's P-O-S-C-E-N-T-E. So VincePosenti.com. I've got, you know, obviously copies of The Ant and the Elephant, if you're interested in that. Uh, and then when the earthquake comes out, uh, grab that because I'm very excited about this journey of The Ant and the Elephant to help people going through those kind of setbacks. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Vince. We will be talking with you again soon. Yes. You've been one of our speakers at Fellowship Power Lunch, mm-hmm. which Lisa Kay hosts monthly. Yep. And we want to be sure to invite you back again on Intentional Talk with Lisa Kay and Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> From TV with TLC. 